I'm still jet lagged, okay? <laughs> That's my excuse. <laughs> All right, let's just open in prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here this morning. That even before we came, you filled this place with your holy angels. And everyone here, Lord, heavenly hosts surrounding us, protecting us. Thank you, Father God, that you will increase while I decrease, Lord. And we pr I pray that you will speak a personal message to each one who came today and to the people who are online. In Jesus' name we pray. Last week, I had a conversation with Pastor Dennis, and it went like this. I shared with him that my family has been um, spiritual attacked and how angry I was. Then he said, preach it. And so I asked, when? I was expecting him to say next month or even longer. Then he said, next Sunday, <laughs> since you're on it. So the lesson for this morning is be careful when you go to PD about something because he might just ask you to preach it since you're on it. Like I said, I was angry and I was stomping to do spiritual warfare. But then the Lord told me, come down. And then he asked me, ask yourself, what makes you angry? A few months ago, my husband's niece was diagnosed with breast cancer and had to undergo double mastectomy. She's in her early 40s. That makes me angry. Then two months later, her mom, my husband's sister, had to go through surgery for a brain tumor. That makes me angry. But thank God they're both doing well now. When I hear about this thing about soul, I heard about it last night. Last night there were 100 people, casual, 100. You know, these are um, kids aged 18 to 20. And now there, you said there's 151. Yeah, I saw it on the news. And um, I was, I, texted my, my nephew right away because he was in, in Korea. But um, he, as it turned out, he had already left when all this thing happened. So um, just this morning, I was talking with Ms. Tamara, and she mentioned something about the enemy wanting to um, wipe out a generation so it's like when you said that this is the young generation, you know, that to, to whom it happened to. When I hear about couples going through a divorce, that makes me angry. Not at the, the couple, but it makes me angry at the situation. Death makes me angry. When I read about shootings uh, and death of innocent people, that makes me angry. When I hear in the news about Asian Americans being beaten and for no apparent reason, or people being shoved into the train tracks in the New York subway, I get angry. When a breadwinner loses his job, gets laid off, I get angry. COVID makes me angry. Masks make me angry. 
all ideas that be, are being fed to our children through the school, through social media, that go against biblical principles, biblical truths, like gender ideology, gender fluidity, non-binary, etc., etc. It makes me angry. Poverty makes me angry. Autism, addiction, depression, injustice makes me angry. I could go on and on and on. What makes you angry? When things like this happen, when painful events stop us short, we cry out, why this? Why now? How can this happen to a family that loves the Lord? And all these questions are swirling about in our minds. And we find ourselves discouraged, dismayed, and confused. This is what spiritual battle feels like. So God asked me to go through this exercise of looking at the physical reality, the things that are going on, in order to teach me to view it through a spiritual lens. Because we are not just flesh and bones. God designed us to be both physical and spiritual. And in our most basic design, we are the living, walking result of God's breath because, he, because God breathed life into us. So the key to changing our approach to life is to, to, is to take on a different perspective. If we focus entirely on the physical reality, then we will have to accept because that's the most that physical reality can produce. However, there is a higher reality that exists and that is the spiritual reality that we have been created to participate in. And this is a very important truth that God wants us to understand. I have titled this message today, Practical Spiritual Warfare, to help those of us who may be going through a spiritual battle right now or maybe in the future. So the first thing that the Lord told me, humble yourself and start to pray and worship God. When something like this happens, people usually they react and they get angry at God and they turn away. When in fact, you should be turning towards God. Drop everything, run to him. Okay? So when you know that you're being attacked by the enemy, that's what you do. You turn to God. Did you know that there is a, do you know that, uh, that there's a spiritual 911 that can be found in the Bible? And it's found in Psalm 91.1. So, and it says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. In the Old Testament, there was a story of a king, the king of Judah. His name was Jehoshaphat, who ruled in the southern kingdom. The wicked king Ahab ruled in the northern kingdom. So Jehoshaphat, okay, just call him Jeho for short. He was a good king who sought to follow the Lord and bring people um, and bring God's people back to him. But his mistake was he made alliances with ungodly kings 
which was unwise and wrong. So one morning, Jeho was shaken when his intelligence sources came to him in panic, and they had horrifying news. A vast army was coming to attack Judah. Talk about a reason to panic, right? So this godly king did the right thing. He called a national prayer meeting and encouraged the people to trust in God in the face of the overwhelming crisis. Then the king, together with all the women, all the children, and the little ones, they stood there, humbled themselves before the Lord. Notice that he included not just the men, but also the wives and the children too. And so then the Spirit of the Lord spoke through one of the prophets who was there. And he said in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 to 18, he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Sis at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same thing, worshiping the Lord. So the next morning, Jehoshaphat, after telling his people to put their faith in the Lord, he sent the worship team to march in front of the army. And they worshiped. And as they worshiped, God sent ambushes against the enemy. And they, be they became confused, and they turned on each other and started killing each other. In the end, all their enemies were wiped out. Jehoshaphat literally won the battle without even swinging a sword. Because that's what the word said. The battle is the Lord's. That's what the word said. You're, you don't even have to fight. The Lord will be the one fighting for you. You see, spiritual warfare is not just an event. It's ongoing. And sometimes we don't even give it much thought because we assume, well, that's how life is. That is until we are hit hard and it hurts. A spiritual battle is being waged against believers constantly, but it can be so subtle that we don't even notice it. This is not saying that we should look for the devil under every bush. This is saying that the devil is real. He's not this cartoon character dressed in this red costume with um, the tail holding a pitchfork that we see. We'll probably see tonight at the Halloween events. The devil likes it when we don't take his existence 
seriously. The devil looks for weakness. And he uses it as a back door to get to us. And if he cannot get to us, he will try to get to us through someone close to us. So our family, he, in our family, he used social media as a back door to get to us. The devil can use social media to brainwash impressionable minds. He can use it to distort truth and feed our children lies. Why? Because wrong beliefs can turn into strongholds in a person's life if not checked. So ask the Holy Spirit to put a hedge of protection around your family, especially the young children who are not wise to the enemy's ways, who are not wise to the world's ways. You will need the Holy Spirit's guidance and wisdom and discernment when considering whether you're going to give your children access to social media. Last week, my husband and I walked daily around my granddaughter's school for seven days. Daily, we went around. Every day, we'd go around. And we worshipped, like I said, worship and praying, right? I didn't go there to fight. I just turned to the Lord, worship, and he was doing the fighting for us. So we worshiped and we prayed as we walked. It was our way of doing spiritual warfare and claiming a hedge of protection over or around the students, the administrators, the employees at the school. Okay? Why seven? So we march around seven days. In the Bible, seven means completeness. You, as an adult, may be thinking, oh, I'm too smart to, that, to be fooled by social media in this way. But beware. Many people are already addicted to social media without even realizing it. And they are being deceived without realizing it. It may not be what's on social media per se, but it could be the time you're spending in social media. You know how we say, oh, I'm going to spend time with the Lord. I'll start with five minutes because that's the most I can, you know, concentrate during my, uh, my quiet time with the Lord. And then you're supposed to increase it. And then, but it's hard, isn't it? But when it comes to social media, you don't even know you've been there hours. That's deception without you knowing it. So how much of your day? Is spent on your phone, texting, watching videos, checking Facebook, Instagram, whatever else there might be. Are you able to stop it? Or do you suffer withdrawal symptoms when you do? You know, I was on Facebook and I didn't realize how much time I was putting into it because normally before I go to bed, I just check. Because sometimes I only go to Facebook for pictures. You know, like people who are far away, then I see, you know, it's my way of uh, like uh, getting updated on what's going on. But before I know it, it's been two hours. So then I stopped doing it. And now I realize, oh my gosh, I have so much more time to do something else. So, like I said, you may be in a spiritual battle and not know it. 
the spiritual battle is the devil making you believe that you are giving quality time to your family. But you may be physically present, but are you really? Because you're on your phone, you're doing video, watching this, watching that, while you are with your children. You may unknowingly open the back door and allow access to the enemy. So ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, like I didn't know. I only realized how much time I was putting in, and I'm like, this is deception. So ask the Holy Spirit's help to reveal to you if you have fallen for this trick and repent. Protect your family. I used to spell love as T-I-M-E. Now with all of this technology, all of this, you know, advance in technology, now I spell love as P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E. As adults, we pray for God's presence. Lord, I want your presence. I, I want your presence. But ask yourself, are you depriving your own families of your own presence by putting priority on these things? Am I being real? Yes. There have been times also in my life when I sense something in my spirit, but I can't explain what it is, and it's robbing me of my peace. So in that case, I pray in the spirit. Because I know that when I pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit who sees what's happening on the other side of heaven he will direct my prayers so that they will be on point. Who among you here pray in the Spirit? If you haven't, maybe we should do something one time so that I know we prayed for Brandy and Binky and they got their pray prayer language and so they were able to pray in the Spirit. So maybe it's time we do that for those who have not experienced it. So the second step is use the power of God's word to fight. Okay, so the first one was worship, prayer, use God's word to fight. So often, we go into battle using only our willpower as our weapon. But that can get tiring. Sooner or later, we're going to be exhausted. And so what happens? We give in. However, the battle gets easier when we're fully equipped with God's word. And the more you know and understand the word of God, the more you can be effective in either being defensive or offensive in overcoming evil with good during spiritual battles. Like for example, there's hundreds of God's Bible promises in the Bible that you can claim for yourself and for your family. So many battles each day could have been won if only God's word had been ready and available in the moment. So ask yourself, where do you need the victory? Is it with family relationships? Control over your thoughts? Relationships at work? Memorize strategic 
scripture verses. If you're just starting out, or if it's hard for you to memorize, like for me, sometimes it's hard for, for me to memorize, I write it down on a piece of paper and I carry it with me. And then I, I meditate on the word. I meditate on the word. Eventually, it will become automatically, it will come to you. Because I experienced that when you're, you know, when God's talking to you, like in a dream, God's talking to you, and then he puts the verse. So he puts the verse. Oh, I, I remember that. You know, so uh, it, it's very important that you have the right verse in an emergency, the right verse in the moment available to you. So, the, and the Spirit of God is faithful to use these verses to lead you into victory in whatever circumstance you may find yourself. Not in a magic spell sort of way, but as a Spirit-empowered reminder of who God is and what He has done for us through Jesus Christ. Okay, number three, ask God to give you spiritual eyesight, not just insight. Eyesight. Again, a story from the Old Testament. Aram and Israel were at war. Now, there was a prophet named uh, Elisha. He was a prophet of God, and he was on Israel's side. So what he would do was, whenever the, the king of Aram would plan something against Israel, Elisha would tell the king of Israel, this is what he plans to do. So all of uh, the king of Aram's plans were thwarted because Elisha was warning the king of Israel. So that, because he could see, see, he had eyesight, spiritual eyesight. So this got the, the king of Aram so mad that he sent a huge army to surround the city where Elisha was so that they could capture him. And this is what happened in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Spiritual eyesight is the ability to see beyond what the natural eyes can see. You can ask God to open your eyes to the spiritual realm around you, for there you will see the Lord fighting your battles for you. You have no reason to doubt, you have no reason to fear, for the Lord is doing, fighting the battle for you. So pray for the ability to see how unseen spiritual forces impact your daily life. Ask God questions about anything you wonder about like angels, demons, heaven, and hell. Keep in mind that God welcomes our questions and wants to give you the knowledge, wisdom, and discernment that you need to fight your spiritual battles. I have asked the Lord to allow me to open my eyes to the angelic realm. 
And uh, I, 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 I haven't experienced actually seeing them yet, but I know I will because I'm hungry for it. I've also uh, been curious about what heaven is like. So I've started reading, you know, the near-death experiences of people who are trustworthy, you know, some uh, people who are like uh, neurosurgeons, um, scientific, you know, people and the orthopedic surgeons. So I've started reading books on those just to see what heaven is like. And uh, it's interesting to note that uh, they were not all you know, devout and mature Christians. Some of them, they had forgotten their, they used to go to uh, Sunday school when, when they were kids. But when they became an adult, they became so busy with life that they didn't even have time for church. But then when this thing happened, then they came, you know, to experience the love of Jesus during that time. Uh, most of them, when uh, Jesus told them, it's not yet time for you, most of them begged Jesus to let them stay. Isn't that interesting? They would rather stay because they experienced the peace, the love of heaven, than go back to their own families. And these are people who have nothing to gain, but their lives, you know, nothing to gain by doing books or doing all of these things on, on videos. But they were just so excited to share what awaits us. They are no longer afraid of death. And their lives have been changed. And now their lives are, are being used to bring glory to God. So spiritual eyesight. Let's you see the spiritual battle as already won. Okay? We're fighting from victory. That's what spiritual eyesight does. And uh, it's already been won based on the work that Jesus did on a cross. It lets me see the world from my current position, which is that I am seated in the heavenlies, in the heavenly realm with Jesus Christ. Lately, I have been reading a book, like I said, I've been interested in on angels and asking God to open my eyes. Like, so this is the, uh, an excerpt from the book, Everyday Angels. And Joe Brock, the author, writes, In my younger days as a believer, I would read amazing stories of people hearing God's voice, seeing visions, or having an encounter with an angel. These things mesmerized me. They also fostered a lie that I was not qualified to have these same experiences. I believe that the supernatural was reserved for this uh, spiritually elite, and I felt that was just not me. So I lived in a dilemma. I had an insatiable desire to experience the supernatural, but a lie lodged in my heart that told me I couldn't have it. Through much prayer and pain, God started opening my eyes. And hope began to dawn in my heart. And I began to accept and believe what the Bible said. That I was not just a physical being, 
The hunger for the supernatural came from a place inside of me that no one had told me existed. The life of the spirit is for all people because God designed us to be spiritual. As I embraced this and did a lot of repenting, which I did, because that's exactly where I was. I did a lot of repenting. And um, I began to walk in the supernatural. I know we have gifts and callings, but I believe our hunger is the greatest factor in determining what we actually believe. How hungry are you? And this is from the man, the author, whom God has used on several covert missions around the world where he has worked with angel, uh, armies of angels following God's instructions. He was being commissioned. Number four, get to know how Satan operates. God created Satan as a holy angel, but Satan rebelled against God and fell into sin, becoming the leader of fallen angels who were also caught in sin and now work for evil purposes. In Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul refers to him as the prince of the power of the air. He has power and authority over our current world system and significant influence over people in the world. And everything he does, along with his fallen angels, are intended to undermine God's good and perfect plan for humanity. But keep in mind that Satan's power is limited. He is a created being. God created him. So his power is limited, while God's power is unlimited. And if you're a Christian, you have the spiritual authority you need to overcome any of Satan's schemes against you. A few, I think maybe two years ago, I was at PIHOP attending a class. And at the end of the, cl uh, the class, there were a group of little children whom they brought in. And they said, these children are being taught how to do spiritual warfare. Little children. Okay. And then they invited the little children to pray for us. So as we were there, you tell the, 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 the children what you want to be prayed for. And they laid hands on us. And then, headache, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. You know, as a child, they're learning that already. Can you imagine how powerful these kids are going to be when they grow up? So we too can do that. When there's sickness, you know, you, you, you cast it down. Depression, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to have a lot of, just tell it, go. Sickness, go. Depression, go. Addiction, go in Jesus' name. So in 1 Peter 5.8, it tells us, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to de devour. He twists truth with lies. And his intention is to pull us away from God. 
and from each other because he causes division and strife. And the devil's uh, tactics could include accusation, condemnation, shaming, causing division, sowing fear, sowing doubt, personal attacks. And he likes to plant ideas in our minds so that we will start to doubt God. So what are the battles for your mind? It says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds, remember this word, strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So how do we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? We find it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Since what you think ultimately becomes what you do, it's important to pray regularly for the Holy Spirit to renew your mind by helping to think thoughts that are praiseworthy, positive, and productive. Like, for example, if you're feeling anxious, think about how God protects you. He said he will protect you. He will provide for you. He cares for you. So instead of the anxiety, focus on the character of God, what his promises are. If you believe, or, or if you're thinking, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, I'm unlovable, then think about how pleased God is with you, that you are the apple of his eye. So you switch it to God. Switch it to God. When it starts coming, you know, the doubts, the anxiety, the fear, switch your thoughts. You have to take control. Switches. I'm going to think about God. Or sometimes you, um, worshiping, listening to worship music helps. Or praying in the spirit. You know, there's things that we can do. It's not that we are not without um, help. So number five, put on your battle gear. Just as soldiers prepare for battle by putting on, you know, battle gear. It's important for you to prepare for spiritual battles as well by wearing what the Bible calls the armor of God, which is found in Ephesians 6. Put on the belt of truth by living with honesty and integrity. Put on the breastplate of righteousness by pursuing purity. Stand on the gospel of peace. By trusting God to empower you to deal successfully with any situation that you face, which will give you peace in all circumstances. Put on the shield of faith by having faith in God's promise to do what He says He will do, which will give, which will give you courage when you face challenges. Put on the helmet of salvation. By standing firm on the conviction of your salvation. Wield the sword of the spirit by arming yourself with the word to defeat Satan's lies. The way to put on all of this armor is to pray. Asking the Holy Spirit 
to guide and empower you. And then the last one. This is not everything. This is just the, what you need right now. Practical, spiritual warfare. Learn about the ministry work of holy angels. In Psalm 34, verse 7, it says, For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. And then in Psalm 91, verses 11 to 12, it says, For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their, hand, with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Angels serve God by worshiping him and accomplishing his will. Angels serve people as messengers from God. And they're constantly at work observing us going back and forth between heaven and earth on missions that include guidance, protection, communicating the gospel message. So pray regularly for God to send angels into your life to help you with whatever you need. And I'm going to conclude with this. Last Sunday, in the, oh no, last Wednesday, in the middle of the spiritual battle that we were going through, I had a dream. <laughs> Martin Luther, I had a dream. Well, in the dream, I was with my family. I was with Vinny and the kids. And we were attending uh, an event at a school. So... The place was crowded. Everywhere I went, like it was like a huge auditorium, and there were um, teenagers sitting on the floor. They were talking, discussing. Everywhere you turned, there were so many young people talking amongst themselves. Even in the, in the restrooms, I went there, and there were so many people, young people, young people. And then uh, somehow I got separated from my group. So I was wandering around, wandering around, looking for them. And I couldn't find them. So I didn't realize the place was big. Everywhere, students milling all around. So I, 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 I'm like, oh, maybe I need help. So I asked one of the young men young man who was there and said, can you help me find my group? And then he uh, called in two more of his friends. And we started looking around, looking around. We couldn't find my family, my group. So then one of the young men said, maybe we should go outside, step outside. So then uh, we did, so we stepped outside. And then when I was outside, I realized that, you know, when you're inside, you, you, didn't, you don't know this, but when I stepped outside, I realized that there were two buildings very similar to each other. They looked exactly alike, except that it's connected by like a walkway. So I saw, oh, there's two. And so I, I, I'm like, no wonder. Maybe I, without knowing, I went through the, you know, the, connect, the hallway and inadvertently ended at the other building. That's why I couldn't find my group. So I was realizing this. And suddenly I heard, a, this is a dream. So suddenly I heard someone yell from upstairs. And I looked up. And it was my brother-in-law, <laughs> munching, from the, uh, shouting 
and he was at, uh, on, at the window on the fifth floor. And he said, Jeanette, Jeanette, Vinny has been looking for you. He's been looking for you, and you're about to leave soon. He is in room 515, and here's the key. So he dropped the key, and I caught it. So once I got the key, I went to the building where he was, and then I started going up to the fifth floor. And then I noticed that the familiar said, oh, this, yeah, I remember this. We passed through this. So I went through there, and then um, I, I arrived at the fifth floor, and I got to the, the room, the five, room 515, turned the key, and sure enough, they were there. So I felt so relieved, and then we, we left. And that was the end of the dream. And I said, what was that about, Lord? So I asked the Lord, what was the dream about? And he said, you have been wondering about around this issue that has happened, you know, the spiritual attack. You have been anxious. You have been so confused. See, the issue that we were having had something to do with things that young people are currently being bombarded with worldview, wrong beliefs that go against the Bible, which are causing confusion in young people's minds. So I said, oh, that's why there were a lot of teenagers, young people milling about, discussing amongst themselves, amongst themselves. So what kind of wisdom are they imparting to one another amongst themselves, young people? And then, that's why in my dream, there were also two buildings. Remember, I thought there was only one. That's why I was looking for them here, not realizing I had transferred over to the other building. There were two buildings when I thought there was only one, symbolizing that there are many schools of thought masquerading themselves as truth and causing confusion creating strongholds in people's minds. Strongholds are simply wrong beliefs that the devil plants in people's minds. And uncorrected, they start to take root and become strongholds. And by that time, it's hard to get it out. So the Lord continued. Look to me only for answers. I will give you instructions and guidance that will be true and accurate. And I'm like, oh, remember? Room 515. Here are the keys. The Lord's instructions are going to be accurate. The Lord's instructions are going to be true and he will get you there here is the key if I use this key to open room 550 it's not going to open if I use this key to open 525 room 525 it's not going to open but if I use the key to, to open room 515 it will open that's how exact his guidance is going to be he said, you can never go wrong if you follow me. You can count on it. 
Fix your eyes on me, not the problem. And I will watch you as you watch me. There will be no confusion. We can count on it to be accurate. He will give us the exact thing we need at the right time. At this point, I just want to pray Psalm 91. And then later on, I'm going to ask Pastor Dennis to pray for our young children, for our teenagers, our kids. And I just want us to pray Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is considered the soldier's psalm. This is the, the psalm that soldiers who are in the foxholes pray when they are in great danger. So I, we will pray this back to God. 